Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tow I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy, never think about the drop Never, ever, ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT show. We back up, you know what I mean? We back up. Um, So, I mean, you're going to love this. Unbelievable stuff. We might as well get to my excuses. So my laptop bombed out on me. The next day I went and bought one. Turns out that laptop was a dud. Took it back. They gave me the same, but a different machine. This one's working, obviously. But tell you what else you'll love. I thought, okay, you know what? Like, this other machine served me incredibly well. It's been a good six, seven years. Let me just let me just say goodbye to it, you know? Sort of have a ceremony for it. Turn it on. It's been working perfectly for a day now. So it's it's working perfectly now. If anything, it might be working better than before. I mean, I'm just saying that for a little bit of comedic relief, but but I now have two laptops, which isn't that bad, actually. Like, it isn't that bad. Having gone through the experience I went through, because I actually had to send off a really big project as well, and I didn't have a machine, I had to ask a friend for a machine, it, it was a disaster. It was, it was an absolute disaster. But disaster averted. I'm, I'm never having it again. I've got two machines now. This other laptop is a classic laptop. My other one, which is now working. We back up. We back up. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you in this crazy life. So, all good. Had a great weekend. Just returned from somewhere called Kharkluf. Um, Just unbelievable day, this country. Haven't been back there in a while. Ran a hundred miler there a while ago. Um, but incredible. Um, so, for those who don't know, I do MC and commentary work at races right and it was unbelievable it was just incredible to be back in a part of the world which was a massive part of my upbringing so it was very close to uh, the high school where i finished up and yeah it's just if you've been to the natal midlands it's it's just incredible if you're in the running space come run cockroof next year i'm biased because a friend of mine is the owner but i know him and i've known him for a long time and if he's involved, it's going to become something special, which is amazing because he's amazing. So, incredible time. Shout out to the Cockloof guys. There's new ownership there. Um, yeah, onwards and upwards. But, but listen, if you're not into trail running or outdoors, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You know, get out there. Razzle dazzle. Incredible people. Incredible atmosphere. Had a great time. Had a great Time. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Hope you've had the time of your lives. Premier League's back. NFL's back. For me, it's the best time of the year. I just, I'm training. I'm watching football. Going to bed. That's basically what I'm doing. Oh, it's just, it's a dream. It is an absolute freaking dream. Absolute dream. It's springtime now as well. You know what I mean? Everyone who's been working on their summer bodies... Starting to reveal those. Good for some of us. Good, good for us um, people that are out there, you know, putting ourselves out there. What's funny is I'm going to Europe in a little bit. Did my visa application today. Incredibly smooth. And by the way, the French are generally terrible at bureaucracy and this kind of stuff. But today was smooth. Really, really nice. Lady asked me if I was closer there. It's like... My name's Mbulelo Kaeletu. Like, well, what else would I be? Anyway, I think she just wanted to share that she was closer. And if I was closer, I would want to share that with more people as well. She did. She eventually shared. Oh, my parents from Alice. I'm like, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's very interesting. Although it was quite interesting because her service was outstanding. She was a professional, that lady. Don't know what her name was. But her parents are from Alice. So... 
And now every white person listening to this is probably going, who the F is Alice? And then the world keeps turning. And the world keeps turning. Hope you had a good time, man. I'm, uh, you know, I was ill last week a little bit before I went to Cockloo. So I took one or two days off. Back training there. But still feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm in a great headspace. Um, I'm off to the Otter. I'm, I'm off to George, then Otter Trail, then Cape Town, and then France. If this visa comes on time, which it should. Which it should. So I've got a really exciting two months ahead. Should be fun if you're in Paris. See you soon. Speaking of Paris. Speaking of Paris. Look, I'm not going to be the guy who said... Marnie Leibok's going to cost us because of the kicking or whatever. See, m- m- what I don't like about the way it's turned out is that everybody's so focused on the goal kicking. What I was watching was his tactical kicking out of hand. And, you know, everyone says Ireland played well. And, uh, like, they, they did. It, it was physical and Ireland are organized. But they're not good. Like, they're not dynastic. You remember when the All Blacks, after their first World Cup, that second one when they really turned it on, and now Julian Surveyor was just, he really started to come into it, and Conrad Smith was at his peak, Ma Nani was at his peak, and then they were just playing Hollywood rugby. Because now Kieran Reed's popping up at a wing, and it's just, it was a, it was a mazzoline. They were dynastic. That was like, okay, they are playing rugby we've never seen before. All Ireland are is organized, tremendous line speed, and they've got a decent fly-off. Because he's played 100 tests, everyone says he's legendary. He's not. By the way, Johnny Sexton's not that good. He's not. Northern Hemisphere rugby is a joke. Johnny Sexton isn't in... He doesn't get in the top five Southern Hemisphere fly-offs of all time. But, But people tend to do this, right? Like, if you've done something for a long time, you're a legend. Like, no... I, I resent that, by the way. I, I resent that longevity means you're a legend. No, being far better than everybody else for an extended period of time makes you a legend. And there's only really in rugby, and it should be like this in football as well, there's only really like 20 legendary players. We we must stop saying, oh, he's got 100 caps, so he's a legend. Like, Johnny Sexton, Neil Jenkins, you you tell me, like in, in all honesty, Ronan O'Gara, like that that mediocre, he can just sort of tactical kick guy. Although you saw my problem with Marnie Leibok, that he has zero tactical kicking game. Because my point is, the only reason Ireland won was because Johnny Sexton can bloody tactical kick. And by tactical kick, I mean when you've got go forward ball, you don't have to throw it wide for six bloody phases, which is what Leibok does, right? He, he tries to play touch rugby, and, and I know everyone likes that because it's so exciting. But eventually, Ireland are turning it over, right? Because the defenses are just too good now. Where when you've got go forward, I believe the rule is three rucks kick, and the All Blacks did that forever. Like Daniel Carter's secret was Daniel Carter was a playmaker second. He was a facilitator first. His great attribute, along with the great Johnny Wilkinson, was tactical kicking. Everything else was second. And all tactical kicking is doing, right, is putting your pack on the front foot. Like, don't complicate it. Don't try and think about what they do. They are putting the pack on the front foot. That's the fly half's job. The, the place kicking and stuff is secondary. Because the spring box, with the way the middle 45 minutes of the match went, right, should have won the game easily. Easily. We, like, it was front football, it was dominance, it, it was gain line carry, and crossing the gain line at will. But you can't do 10 phases anymore. Not against Ireland. They're too big. They're too organized. They've been playing together too long. And the Springboks have no plan B with Marnie Leibok at fly-off. He cannot tactical kick. And then he leaves 11 points on the field. So 
the the place kicking is disgusting but but i don't want anyone saying i'm saying this in hindsight i was saying it during if you've listened to the podcast i was saying it during urc so i didn't need to see it at international level i saw it at urc like oh this guy can't place kick Mm, ain't gonna work it ain't gonna work this is why i said take Horsen. Because Horsen's an 85% goal kicker and he's played in big games. He's a big game player. I don't care how much you don't like him. All I want to do Horsen for, and you, you can play Horsen at fullback. You can play him at inside center. But if you've got Horsen in the middle 45 minutes of that game, you win the game and you beat Ireland by 15 points. Because one of the other things that Horsen gives you is a 55, 60 meter penalty boot. You saw in that first match against, um, who was it? Was it, I can't remember. Oh, Scotland. Leebok tried to kick a 57 meter kick and it was five meters short, if not more. It was like, it nearly landed on the 22. It was embarrassing. I don't know what he was doing. And people make it sound like, I don't like Monty Leebok. I like the attacking flair play, but I want it at URC because I've been watching rugby for 31 years. I know, listen, I'm not Ian McIntosh, right? And if you know who that is, you're old. But I know what I'm seeing and I know how rugby games should flow. I played fly I had Grant Fox coach me. I, I mean, I was... Nowhere near the level Money Lubok is. But I played first team. So I get what Grant Fox and Murray Mexted wanted at the 10 position. Because they coached me for a year and a half. So I've seen it through the eyes of a legendary, a legendary number 8 and a legendary, arguably the second best fly half New Zealand have ever had. And I don't think it's arguable. Grant Fox is, you know, he was, my, he was literally my fly half coach for a year and a half. At high school. But I've also been watching it since I was six. I've 31 years of watching this This is what wins. There is not a single World Cup. And I, I will say this. He was a brilliant tactical kicker. But he had Matthew Burke uh, at fullback to kick for poles. Stephen Lockham is the only playmaking fly half. Although he was a heavy defender and a terrific kicker of the ball with ball in hand. Um, Stephen Larkham is the only playmaking fly to have ever won a World Cup. You, you can take it right back to whenever you want. Right? From 91, it's, it's Liner, it's Joel Stransky, uh, you know, 99, it's, it's, uh, it's Wilkinson. Oh, no, no, they, they win 203. Or 99 is Australia again, Right? I mean, that's that great Australian team. That's Larkham. Then it's Wilkinson, right? Then it's obviously Butch James, who, who did an incredible defensive and tactical kicking job with Percy kicking for poles, right? Listen to those fly-offs. None of them are playmakers. Then the great Daniel Carter gets injured, obviously. Uh, and Aaron, Aaron Cruden who, I mean, ugh, ugh, you know, but playing Jane, tactical kicking. It, it even went down to Stephen Noddle, if you remember that. 2015, obviously, it's the Daniel Carter show. He, he wasn't letting that uh, pass him by. And then Pollard. You can't win with a playmaking fly-off. I, I know, especially South Africans have been frustrated for years about the kicking. Leebok and these running flowers have had it in Curry Cup and URC. The athletes are too good and the margins are too fine now to not play calculated rugby. And that's not now. That's back to Johnny Wilkinson. And Daniel Carter, they understood that. Under Daniel Carter, the All Blacks kicked more than any team has ever kicked out of hand. Ever. I've read the stats under Daniel Carter and his leadership. So this idea that Marnie Liebach is going to come and change international rugby. Oh my goodness. This is why Carlos Spencer couldn't work at the top level. It doesn't work. The players are too good. Like talent is not interesting at that level. It's, it's just not. 
especially not at the fly-off. Because I say this to people all the time. Your fly-off must be just the best decision-maker on the field. I don't want flair there. Because you know why that's important. And I've said this before, and I'll drone on about it. Why it's important for the fly-off to be predictable, and this is where I don't like Moni Lubok, and, and you can see the box all over the place. You'll, you'll see with Pollard what I mean. He, he's uh, I saw he's starting the next game. The problem when you don't know what the fly-off's going to do, at that level, they are playing three or four phases behind. So we know if we're hitting up in the middle that it's going to come back here and we have, we're going to have a pod with maybe set up two props and drop down to an inside center. They know three phases ahead at that level where the ball's going to go if the fly-off plays to pattern. But he doesn't. He doesn't play to pattern. And at international level, it's a pattern game, I'm afraid. You need to be a robot at fly-off. Don't think. Don't express yourself at fly-off. Don't be Carlos Spencer. Don't try and be a hero. It doesn't work. Don't be Huffy the Toy. It does not work. Show me a single fly-off. Show me a single fly-off who has been a playmaker who has won a World Cup. Because rugby, unlike any other sport, I think it's probably the one last sport where the World Cup's the highest level. Cricket, not really. I still think it's test cricket. Football, not even not even close. Uh, rugby, there's four or five international teams that can win it, and that is still the pinnacle of the sport, which is why I think rugby's too small, by the way. But, but conversation for another time. There, there, there isn't a, flame, a fly half who's a playmaker who's ever won. N- not at the top level, not consistently. Quade Cooper, I know people like him. And listen, I like exciting, but it doesn't win. So you've got to make a decision. Do you want to be exciting or do you want to win? And if you want to win, you get a decision maker to fly off. You don't express yourself in that position. Wing, fullback, outside center, have at it. Blindside flank, Oaks. Get in there. Tuck in. Not at fly-off. But South Africans will say, you know, Mani Leebox, what we need? We need to play enterprising rugby. And when dickheads say, oh, but what about the New Zealand game? So, so you give me one game of the 10 I've seen where he's been horrible, by the way. No, not good. He's been horrible. Because I'm not looking at just place-kicking. What's his game management? And he does not have the ability to game manage. All he is, is exciting. I cannot deny he's unbelievable. He's exciting. He's, he's got flair. He's unpredictable. But at Flahoff, that's no use. He must play outside center or, or, or fullback. Then. I want enterprising at fullback. And, and even then, I don't really. I don't really. Like, I want Ben Smith. I want Daniel Carter. I want Conrad Smith. Plain Jane, boring. I know where the ball's going. I know that they're going to make 15 tackles again. They're not going to try and express themselves. They are. Think of, if you're a football fan, think of the fly half like Kaka, right? He's not outstanding at anything. But he does everything at a 7.5 out of 10. That's called being elite. Kaka was extra, like 7 out of 10 power, 7 out of 10 pace, 7 out of 10 technique, Thomas Mueller today kind of thing, you know? Does nothing brilliantly, but everything is a 7 out of 7 out of 7 and a half out of 10. There we go. That's all I need. Pollard, Wilkinson. And then you get special ones. I mean, Wilkinson special, maybe the best defensive fly half. Not maybe. The best defensive fly half of all time. He's the hardest hitting. And and I know South Africans will say Henry Honeyball there, but trust me, Johnny Wilkinson. I I had Charlie Hodgson on my show a couple of years ago, and he said that was the difference between him and Johnny. Johnny could defend. And that's another thing. Leibok can't tackle. I'm sorry. It's... you can't have it in modern day rugby. That first channel has to be shut down. But okay, you know, I don't want to bash Marnie Leibok. He's a good rugby player. But I said it before the World Cup. If Leibok plays, the box don't win. People ask me, I said, if Leibok plays, I'm out. 
if Pollard's back, which I, I think it was always planned that he was going to come back now anyway. So if Pollard plays and he stays fit, we will win the World Cup because Ireland cannot live with that onslaught and a tactical kicker because that's where Ireland won the game. Sexton was willing to put the ball in the corner and let his pack go and put the box under pressure and, and kick penalties. Forget about the place kicking thing. Like, that's gone, right? The box have gone, they've gambled for, we're going to score lots of tries. That's where we are. And if we have Pollard back, I, I don't think anybody, th- this is the greatest Springbok team dominance I've ever seen. And we've got outside attacking flair, by the way, which means 60 minutes into the game, maybe that's when you bring Leibok on. When you've worn them down, and even if it's tight, now they're chasing. But it's a war of attrition, right? You've got to wear them down before. You've got to earn the right to play rugby. Like, Leibok just wants to throw it out wide on second phase. It doesn't work that way at international level. And you know what? Right, this... I've probably already gone far too much into it. Rugby is quite complicated. Like you'll often hear the forwards will earn you the right to play out wide. You've got to earn the right to play out wide. So that's where you've got to get physical up front. And if you don't watch rugby, what you want is their players, ideally their inside center, uh, their blindside flank, and maybe um, open side flanker. But these top teams are, are so good now. They've got athletes everywhere. You want to suck people in by playing tight, right? So you, you want to play in the first channel with your number 12. You, you want to run with the forwards. The spring box can run with the hookers and the props. And really what you want to do is suck their men into the ruck. And you, you want to get them feeling as though, oh my word, we need to get close to the ball and make tackles, which is the natural inclination as a rugby player, instead of holding your width and staying with your man, as soon as you see three or four rumbling phases, you want to start getting closer to it. And then, that's where you get mismatches, where if the ball goes side to side quickly, you've got backline players against number eights and nines, or, or number eights and, and locks who are trapped at, at a ruck from two rucks ago, or whatever, you know. So, it's a tricky sport, and... And I, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm I'm not a Marnie Gleebok fan. N- not at this level. Love the player. He's just not good enough for this level. For, for what you have to do to put your team over the top. That's, he, he just is not. All right, listen, we do have a mailbag for the show. Or do we? Um, we do have a mailbag for the show. So, I just want to talk about Arsenal as well. I think Arsenal are good, but they're not quite a tan. I think you saw that against Spurs. If you're an Arsenal fan, come on, keep it real. Keep it real fun. You know what I mean? You're good, but you're not it. And that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I was listening to people saying that they're a striker away. I'm like, what are you talking about? Arsenal don't even have a right back. They've got the same limitation there as, as Man United do. Ben White's not good enough. It's an interesting one. He's almost got too many centre-backs. I, I know he likes the inverted right-back because he was even playing Thomas Partey. But I don't get the Ben White thing. Like, he's solid going backwards, but you just get nothing going forward. I mean, he gets forward and he whips the ball in, but he doesn't give you that quality, you know? So, Arsenal, good. But they, they ain't quite... It, they ain't quite, you know what I mean? They ain't quite it. Must be heartbreaking for Arsenal fans. Because they all think they're so good. But However, I mean, if you haven't won the title in 19 years, like just, just being serviceable, um, I'm guessing as an Arsenal fan, is just like, oh my goodness. At least we're not absolutely horrendous. But you have been for two decades. So, not quite it. Arsenal, sorry to break the sorry to break the news to you. Good, but not good enough. Spurs are the same as Arsenal, and and the only reason Arsenal came second is because Chelsea fell off and Liverpool fell off. That's it. But 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 I think they'll get back to normal now. I, I think factory settings are being restored. Hey, I, I I think that's a fair thing to say. And if you're an Arsenal fan, I don't think you can get emotional about that. 
I really don't. I don't and I don't think you should. I don't think you should. Thought I'd get that out there. Had Arsenal fans getting too noisy. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen. Man City lost tonight, so their grasp over the Caraba Cup is, um, as we call it here in South Africa, the Caraba Cup is over. So, open game. Open game. MKT inspires. MKT at the MKT show. We do have a mailbag today. But obviously everybody wants to hear about Chelsea. I mean, <laughs> boy, oh boy. You know, bloody hell. So, obviously, Chelsea lost, lost uh, to Aston Villa at home. Credible. Credible. Another one. I'm sick and tired of saying we played so well. But listen, listen man. You, you know, I, I've had some time to think. I was upset. I was upset on the weekend. Thank goodness I couldn't do the pod on Sunday. And by the way, I did try and upload the review. Um, I'll, I'll try and upload it tomorrow of that um, Aston Villa again. But I did try and upload it. It wouldn't upload. And I just, I was too upset. But I'll do it tomorrow. But in talking about Chelsea, before we get to it, listen, man. It's important to be honest in life, man. It's important to be honest. Like where you are, who you are. It's difficult. It took me a long time to accept my many limitations. But it's important to be honest. Because then you can reach your potential. Then you can win. So if you're not if you're not financially strong and you're operationally strong, you should get a financial person. Don't try and think. You know, one of the most successful TV people in this country said to me, "If you ever get a great COO, an ops person, hang on to them. And if you can get a great financial person, hang on to them because they are rare. But if you can, very rarely are you going to get somebody who's Good at CEO and COO because those are not the same role, by the way. Operational and executive functions are not the same role. I'm learning this from people who have done it. And they say it's almost impossible to get somebody who's both. So, for instance, I'm just giving you an example. You, you know, Chelsea for 20 years have been England's dynasty, right? They're, they've been the most dominant team in terms of trophies. Whether you like it or not, Chelsea have been the most dominant team in England for the last 20 years. The only team who were honest about that were Man City. Everyone else tried to keep up. Remember Man United with Moyes, and then they're like, no, let's spend on Di Maria. Let's, they, they, they thought they could keep up with what was, you know, that Lampard and Drogba, Terry dynasty. It, it was never going to happen. Like Chelsea was so far ahead in everything, in personnel, in the makeup, in the ownership, in in the culture. All right, the only team that we're honest about it was Man City. And what City said was, "We may not be good enough now, but nothing lasts forever." And it became a war of attrition with Man City. They said, "We see what you're doing," right? And the Roman thing, although it may last a decade, two decades, hmm, we don't know if you can do that for three decades. And Man City planned for the long term. Because what Man City says was, we're not good enough to compete with Chelsea. Nobody is. But when this Chelsea run stops, it'll be us. And we'll be ready. And we will pounce. It's called being honest. And where are they now? Nobody's beating Chelsea now. Forget it. Or oh, oh, City now. Forget it. Forget it. The system's brilliant. They don't fall in love with players. They move on from Jacques Cancelo. They move on from Fernandinho. They move on from everybody. Like Chelsea used to do. Chelsea moved on from Terry. Moved on from Drogba. Won two Champions Leagues. Uh, you know. Man City are it now. I think Chelsea under Todd Bowley, although it had to be aggressive, are readying themselves and are being honest to say, we are not good enough. Nobody is good enough to compete with Man City. Right? Nobody. Forget it. Forget it. They're like Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans. Forget it. No one's competing with City right now. 
But what I really loved about Todd Bully was he acknowledged that Bruce Buck, Marina, Chelsea, uh, Czech and Lampard really screwed up in that last season. They really screwed up. I mean, getting these small technical players for England. What are you doing? Of course Pulisic's going to get hurt. Of course Ziyech is going to get hurt. Of course these guys aren't going to live with the pace of the Premier League. What are you doing? What are you doing? The profile was disgusting of the players that they had. And he had to be aggressive to fix it. It's taken a billion pounds. Because remember, one thing that Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal have learned. Before you can get good, you've got to get rid of the bad. You've got to get rid of the bad. And although it looks like Chelsea don't have a plan, if you look closer, and I did, I've taken some time to look at it, Chelsea now have a profile. Because if you look at the composition of Arsenal now, you're starting to see a profile of player that he likes. Man United, I've got no clue what the profile is. But at Chelsea, if you see it now, it's physical, right? So at the back and in the middle, it's going back to original Chelsea days. Physical, big, imposing, Desasi, Oguachuku, right? Caicedo in there. And then technical up front. You can see it. It's young. It's movement. It's the new age. Inside, inverted forwards. They're clever. They can play tick attacker. The only one who's kind of not in the mold is Raheem Sterling. Because he's, he's just vertical. Like, he's up and down. Classic English winger. Right? But the rest of them, Cole Palmer, there's a very mudrick. There's that feel of, we want to be modern. We want to be able to invert. We want to be we want the hybrid 10 winger. Um, and they've got to be technical. They've got to be, and you see it, you see the profile. But the physicality to me is very, very clear. And then the age profile. Chelsea's the youngest squad in the league, on average. So you see what he's doing. You see what these two brilliant uh, director of footballs are doing. So what, what you don't want to be is Man United and Arsenal. Arsenal have been lost for two decades. because they, they, it's, it's hysterical to me. You don't want to be Man United. You don't want to be 10 years into it and still wondering what your squad composition is. Having Aaron Wan-Bissaka right back. Having Harry Maguire as your club captain. Spending 70 million on Mason Mount. Like, like you don't want to be that. You, that. That's not who you want to be in, five, in a decade's time. You don't want to be in Man United's shoes in 10 years' time. And what I love about Todd Bully is Chelsea won the Champions League two years ago. So let's not find out what it's like to be Arsenal and Chelsea. You don't want to be Liverpool in 30 years to win a title. Mm-mm. Be aggressive and get rid of the losers now and suffer the pain now, which Liverpool weren't willing to do, which Arsenal weren't willing to do, and Man United still haven't done. By the way, they just got rid of Phil Jones. Incredible. I think I think what's ruined it is FIFA and all of these um, social media guys. Is everybody thinks Cole Palmer, if he's an eighty-five rating, quote unquote, he's a forty million pound player, should be immediate. That's not how real life works. It's not how young people work. Young people need support. They need culture, and they need to be supported. Listen, it took Klopp five years. It took Pep two years. Arteta's in year year four, and Arsenal are quite good. They're not great. Don't be sucked in, by the way, by the Arsenal thing. Is they're not they're they're good. They're good, but it's because they've been terrible for so long. Everyone now thinks Mikel Arteta's Jesus arisen again. He's not. They're fine. Like Arsenal are playing well. They're good. They're not great. Do not fall for it. They're not winning anything. They, they don't have a striker. Declan Rice is injured now. What are you going to do? They don't have a right back. They don't have a, they don't have really a left back. Sinchenko is not a left back. And we're going to find out whether these centre-backs are about it. Because so, what do they call it in America? Sophomore syndrome. Second year, let, let's find out. We, there's tape now. There's tape now. But this FIFA and social media thing of players should be in and win immediately. It doesn't matter what a player costs. Right? They, they're still going to need the same amount of time. 
the only people that come in and hit the ground running is Real Madrid version of Cristiano Ronaldo. Right? Even the Man City guys, Jack Grealish, took a year. Erling Haaland's a unicorn. Forget it. And even then, Erling Haaland was coming into a team that was two off the bounce, had just gone to the Champions League final. So he was the icing on a cake that was already baked. Like Erling Haaland is brilliant, but you could have really bought any one of these new generational guys. If you if you bought Lewandowski in, he would have done the same thing. You know? Not to take away from Haaland, he's unreal. But he's really tapping stuff in and you got six or seven of the best technical players in the world that if you dare make the right half the right movement, the ball's on your on your shoulder and then and then Erling Haaland's special. He is. He is. He, he is special. But you could have really picked any one of the four or five best strikers in the world now, put them in that team. They're getting 35. So it doesn't happen like that. And I'm not defending Chelsea as a fan. I'm just saying that this is unprecedented, what Chelsea are doing. But there's a plan. And here's what Man City have done. Here's how you win. right? Find the talent. So Chelsea have done that part. Find a manager, question mark, and then build a culture. And all culture is, is repeated behavior. It's often complicated by bloody agile management systems, which, you know, for sophisticated systems, you need sophisticated management, right? Or sophisticated work, you need sophisticated management. But, but all culture is, like, just boil it down, is repeated Behavior And when you want a winning culture, it is when winning is expected and losing is not an option, as the great Sir Alex Ferguson said. Now listen, Man City are doing it. What you cannot do is fire Maurizio Pochettino. There's no crisis at Chelsea. They're young. Young people need time. And they're two years away. And also, you're not watching Chelsea games if you're going, oh, they lost. It's embarrassing. Like, they missed another three chances against Aston Villa. It was it's hysterical. But it's been the same theme since Potter. I don't think Potter was a big game manager, though. He, he wasn't a big team manager. There's no crisis. They're young, and they're probably two years away. And I was wrong on this one. Chelsea are... They should be happy with sixth and a trophy this year. Or at least get into the semi-finals. Because that's where they are. We've got 20-year-old Cole Palmer. You know, DeSarcy's figuring out... It, you know, Ruben Diaz took a year. Guardiola, he's finding out that takes a little longer. And it's growing pains with young people. See, it's the youngest squad in the league. So, the me- I mean, the memes are spectacular. Obviously, you spend a billion people will talk about it. But, but the plan is clear. And you have to give Pochettino at least two years. Because that's what Arteta's got at least two years, to let him make them a team. You have to build a team. This is not a TV game. These are human beings. Back young people. So, as a Chelsea fan, obviously I want to win. I don't want to say I'm not disappointed. Obviously, I'm, I'm used to, in the last decade, I've seen two Champions Leagues. In the last 20 years, I've seen five Premier League titles. I've seen the most successful era of British football. Right? I've seen it for the last two decades. So I want to win. But I'm also not a child. I've been watching football forever. What I will say is I really like how Chelsea are setting up for when Pep Guardiola leaves. Because outside of Liverpool, I don't see anybody who's going to be ready, unlike Chelsea, who've got the talent in-house now. Bake that. Let that bake for two or three years under someone with structure, with culture, with a standard. You, you let these youngsters... Stay together. And then from here, what you do is next year you add a star. The next year you add one star. And then they become like the Chelsea where if if you old, you remember. Obviously, Mourinho bought those guys. Then he added Cole. Then he added Balak. And then it was off to the races. Remember, he was adding a star every year. Just adding a star on top. Then he was adding Alex. It, it was magnificent to watch. Um, 
as Mourinho built that dynasty. And, and the great Alex Ferguson did it, you know, multiple times where he would add a star here and there. He'd add Carrick when necessary around the young kids. Then he developed a young Ronaldo. Then he added Tevez. See, once you've got that culture of excellence, that core, then you add the stars and you add them slowly, one every two years. And Chelsea on a terrific position. If they stay patient for the next two years, you, you will not win this year. You may not win next year. But you will have a bunch of grown-ups who will understand what Pochettino expects and what the club expects. And you need to give that time. Do not get impatient. Potter was wrong. Excellent. Move off mistakes. Love it. There's no disaster. Relax. Love to know what you think. MKT inspires. I'm upset as a Chelsea fan because I want to win. But I'm also realistic enough to know we screwed up for two years. And even in the screw-up, we won a Champions League. <laughs> but I can see the future. You cannot, you could not have gone on with Marina and and Bruce Buck's mess and Peter Cech's mess that they put together. You could not have gone on with that. It would have been embarrassing. The Kepa thing. Oh, my God. Or uh, who was doing the scouting? Revolting. Love to know your thoughts. MKT inspires wherever you get your podcasts. 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 All right. Um, we got a, you know, what you might call a mailbag here. Got a mailbag. Got uh, old schlanschla. You know, good old Inschlanschler Nadlovi. Good old Inschlanschler says, MKT, hope you're well. Missing the pod. Hey, I like this guy. Missing the pod. Trust you'll get it sorted so we can all get back to regular programming. Yeah, well, this is it. When you're listening to this, we're back to regular programming. Question for you on Spurs. Do you think Harry Kane was holding Spurs back? They seem to have found a rhythm. Or do you think it is just a honeymoon phase with the new coach? You know... <laughs> it's it's essentially to to say something as and I know it sounds quite cool on the internet listen I, I love Son Heung-min um, I think he's as good as Harry Kane I, I honestly believe that in his own right he, he's a world class player but you can't say it, it would be the equivalent of I heard Man United fans saying two years ago that Ronaldo was holding them back what are you even talking about because one of the things that people don't realize it's not just the talent right harry kane's a professional harry kane's a professional the other thing that he brings to to spurs is the standard you cannot say a guy who was just what was it 20 goals a year for was it seven seasons in a row i think it was seven or eight no like it's easy and lazy to say that but you cannot say that he's the greatest English striker since Gary Lineker I don't think he's Gary Lineker good but but Harry Kane he's the greatest English striker the Premier League has ever seen because Lineker's best years were at the end of the, the the football league no so my answer that's a very long way of saying Absolutely not. Anybody who says Harry Kane was holding them back. What are you talking about? He's doing the most difficult thing in sport, in the sport, scoring goals at a ridiculous rate. No, not holding them back. Because, again, you're seeing it with Man United, right, with the Jadon Sancho behavior. Part Part of that package of greatness and he's a Tottenham and a Premier League great. Like Harry Kane is a Tottenham and a Premier League great, whether you like it or not. It's the personality that you miss when he goes. Right? Because he's a leader, he takes the pressure. Because now, it's, it's all going well, right? And, and you alluded to the honeymoon phase. What happens when you lose three in a row? You must remember, Harry Kane was willing to do the interviews when they lost. So... You you got to ask yourself that. No, he he wasn't holding the club back. He's he's an icon. He he took them forward. He kept them afloat. 
He did, he did not hold them back. And anybody who says that, because the, the other thing about Harry Kane, you, you can play him in any system because he doesn't mind dropping uh, into the, uh, sorry, sort of the Trecatista number 10 role. He doesn't mind dropping in there. He can play off the last shoulder. He takes set pieces. He's not a headache. Like, Harry Kane is not a, a prima donna. He's the ultimate dream professional. So, no. Um, and I do think it's a honeymoon phase because, you know, water will always find its level. Unless I'm wrong. I mean, one of my issues with Madison is he gets injured a lot. And he's a bit of a big-time Charlie because he behaves like his Paul Gascoigne and he's actually James Madison. He, We mustn't forget, he was a key cog in a Leicester team that got relegated. Like, he's still that. You know, he's still a Leicester player, with all due respect. Like, he's not hes not like a top four. He's not Jack Grealish. He's a good player. He's a good player. Listen, he's a good player, but... But where's the quality and depth at Spurs? And again, you know, Harry Kane, you forget some of the some of the goals that he'd score. Right? Big goals, big moments. Because one thing about Harry Kane, by the way, he doesn't need lots of chances. He does not need lots of chances. Now, when you go away to Man City and you get three chances, Harry Kane's scoring two of those. What happens now? Because I love Son in the number nine role, but he's not a finisher in that sense. He, he actually he's more of a spectacular goal getter than a than a finisher. And sometimes squeaky bump time, you, you just need Harry because the great strikers. If you watch the great strikers in football, they play between the goalposts. It's a football saying. They say good number nines, the great number nines, everything they do, they operate in between those two uh, uprights. And sometimes you just need that guy where his instincts are Vanny Storoy, you know, Cole, Drogba. He's just in and around it. Lewandowski, Thomas Müller. He's just in and around it, penalty box, in between the sticks. And then, just prodigious. His output is prodigious. You just can't replace goals, I'm sorry. You can replace everything else. You cannot replace it's the hardest thing to do in the sport. And he did it at the highest level this league has seen in the last decade. Right? He's up there. It's a him, it's Aguero, it's Henri in terms of strike rate. I mean, exceptional. Spurs top six. I still don't like what they've got going on in the centre center of the park. It's a bit of a mess. I don't like it. They're playing nice football. It's attractive, but again... Marnie Libox, an attractive flyer to watch. At this level, you need to be ruthless. And they're not there. I do think it's a honeymoon phase. And honestly, if you say Harry Kane was holding this club back, you need to have your head red and you must get away from your family because you're a danger to them. He is, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, it's almost impossible to find. It's almost he's almost like a poor man's LeBron James. Because often when people are that good, they have a high ego. They are Jaden Sancho. There's more Jaden Sancho's in life, and in the world of sport, and in the world, actually, because highly talented people are often a nightmare as human beings. Harry Kane's the dream. LeBron's the dream. Legendary talent. Normal guy ego. Oh my God, are you kidding me? That's the dream. Because now the coach doesn't have to worry about Harry Kane. The coach can focus on everybody else. Oh, what a dream. And that matters, by the way. At that level, that matters. When when Cristiano Ronaldo, because I've never seen Cristiano Ronaldo as a high ego guy. I just think he's into his looks and stuff. But whatever. Like I know lots of people. But, but Cristiano Ronaldo is not a nightmare. Like I've, I've never gotten the sense that Cristiano Ronaldo is a nightmare. The only time Cristiano Ronaldo became a nightmare was when he came back to Man United and there's no standards. So he's not being a nightmare. And I said it when he came. I always say a nine should never marry a six, right? Because I always say in dating terms, if a nine marries a six or dates a six, relationships are tense enough already. But the difference between you and that person 
is the amount of tension you're adding to the relationship. So Ronaldo had standards. Like he can't play with Jadon Sancho and Marcus Rashford and these guys, these mandem who want to be PR guys. Like he's about football. Cristiano Ronaldo has never, I've never, ever, ever sensed that he was a diva, right? I've, I've never sensed that. Harry Kane, same thing. Sergio Aguero, same thing. Uh, I mean, Drogba's a bit of a diva, but Lampard, same thing. Gerard, same thing. Roy Keane, same thing. Like, every now and then you get this gem who's an all-time talent and just, like, you don't have to worry about his ego. And then you get Paul Pogba and Sancho and... I mean, some of these guys that are around today, unbelievable, you know? So no, long way of saying, absolutely not. Harry Kane, iconic. I would love to have had him at Chelsea. Oh my goodness, what a striker. What a player. What a player. And, and, and what a professional. Like, I cannot tell you how much I love professional, consistent people. You, you know... When when your best players are your best people, uh, there's a, the All Black books, unbelievable by the way, by Ian Smith. You say the better All Blacks make better people. Harry Kane is just an embodiment of what I'd just I'd love to have had Harry Kane, like Frank Lampard, right? That level of like no ego, all football, just kicking ass for for a decade. You're a mental case if you think he's holding he was holding the club back. Antipasokoglu, nice story, but um, interesting. Interesting to see how long it lasts. Interesting to see how long it lasts. Hope you have a great weekend. I'm off to George this weekend. There will be a podcast on Monday. I will record from there. Um, staying with some friends, gonna maybe hike a little bit. You know, before I get into the Otter Trail next week, I will try and podcast during the Otter, but on the Wednesday night. Maybe, maybe I'll record it during the day. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make it work. I'll be at the Otter, record a pod there as well, take my mic with me, um, and we'll keep it rolling. We're back, though. Now there's no excuses. Um, I've got a laptop. There's there's no excuses. What, what are we even talking about? What are we actually talking about? I've got two laptops now. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the MKT Show. My name is MKT, and for now, I am the hell. Adios.